Good morning, PLC. How are you guys today? Oh, I say this every time, but I mean it. It's such a privilege to partner with this house. If I haven't met you before, my name is Nicole Winsek, and my husband and I are pastors, and um, I actually have a, a family pick right here. Here's my kids. Uh, my oldest is taller than me now, and my middle, so this was taken like, um, you know, we were on slanted ground. We're like right here. He's like, I'm taller. I'm like, no, you're not. Not yet, right? So I've got an almost 15-year-old, 13-year-old, Jesse, and then um, a 10-year-old daughter, hallelujah. Yes, that's her name, hallelujah. There's a story. Maybe I'll share that sometime. Um, But boy, life is a journey, right? Following the Lord, being completely surrendered. Um, We've been pastoring in different capacities for 16 years together. Woo! There's ups and downs, right? Um, But pastors um, Andrew and Dawn and the team here, um, and specifically Andrew and Dawn, they have walked us through um, some challenging times even as as pastors in our life. They were people who we will never forget um, showed up for us in our lowest time of ministry. And so we're forever grateful. Um, Love the team here. Love just, it's like home away from home. So I'm glad to be here today. And I have to tell you, I'm excited. I'm so excited about today. You know why? Because I was, I was, as I was praying about this message and praying specifically about you guys, even though I don't know all of your hearts or your past or what you're going through, the Holy Spirit spoke so strongly to my heart that today is going to be a day of freedom from some lies that some of you don't even know you're held back by. Today is the day of freedom from things that have been spoken over you or you have spoken over yourself. And I believe as we study the Father's heart in Scripture, you're going to learn to look at God differently and realize He looks at you differently than you think. So a room this size, there are really anywhere you go, um, our views of God are, are different. Even if we have the same denomination or religion or whatever, the way we actually view God personally is impacted by a lot of factors, right? Like it's impacted by um, or influenced by the way you were raised, what church you went to or didn't, right? The voices that have spoken into our lives, um, I think about those that have gone through different things in life and even our past can influence our view of God. And so we're just going to kind of right now, all of those voices that just speak and have spoken into our lives, we're going to bring it back to the word of God. Because the only voice that has the authority to speak over our lives is the voice of truth. And the truth is what sets us free. Amen? And so today, we're going to talk about a very clear theme throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, which really shows us the Father's heart for His people. And so one thing I just want to start with, the Father's heart for His people has always been this. No matter where you go, no matter what I do, no matter how far we stray from Him, our Father's heart is that his people 
would come back to him. He desires more than anything his people to come back and be in relationship with him. We see it in the very beginning, right? The beginning of scripture in the garden and Adam and Eve, they sinned. And what was their response? To run, to hide, to to feel shame, right? What was God's response? To go after them, to cover them, to make a way to restore relationship with him. We see in God's word through the people he chooses to use his heart. And I want to tell you, the enemy is the great accuser. The enemy wants to accuse and speak into your life and say, you're not enough. You're not good enough. Or because of what you've done, you'll never be able to fill in the blank. You're unlovable. You've made too many mistakes. Whatever it is that has been spoken over you today, we are going to look at some really incredible people in the Bible. I have to tell you, there's some of my favorites. I think there's some of God's favorites. But we're gonna come back to the Father's heart through their stories, learn some lessons, and we are going to set it straight. Are you ready today for that? I, anytime, I, I do this a lot, but anytime I, I, I feel, I know, not I feel like, I know God has a good word. And I just know there are some of you in here today, God has a good word for you. And if you are willing to receive it, what it could do, and you're, I just see like literally legacies. I see generational lines. I see life change. That's why I'm so passionate about this because I believe the word of God is what it says it is and it pierces through every single place and it has the power to change lives but I know the enemy wants to still kill and destroy before that gets planted in your life to grow good fruit so right now in this place I ask you with me if you are willing to receive this for yourself your life your family lift your hands in the air and I'm going to pray over this word Lord God we lift our hands to you as a sign of saying we are open church say we are open Speak to our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, come in this place and do what only you can do. Pierce the secret places, Lord God. We hold nothing back from you. We want to receive a word today that shapes our hearts and our minds so we can walk in fullness and in freedom and in the love that you have for us. Give us a different picture of who you really are through your word, Lord. And I just pray that you would move powerfully in hearts today. Set people free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, um, I just want to lay the foundation today as we're talking about the Father's heart um, with starting off with a true story depiction of these two kings in the Bible. And so, um, I don't know, about a month ago, I was just studying in my personal devotion time with the Lord, and I was in the Old Testament through Kings. And um, I read this like story depiction between two, two kings that couldn't have been more opposite. I'm talking like night and day, good and evil, you know, villain, hero. You get the point, right? Like their lives couldn't have been more different. And I'll tell you what, as I was studying these scriptures, there, I, this epiphany like I'd never had before, this greater understanding of the father's heart hit me that I had missed something. A follower of Christ for a long time, 
and I had missed something very crucial about our God. And I'll tell you, that's where this message was birthed from today. So we're going to be jumping back and forth between um, First and Second Kings. So just follow along with me or taking notes. Go ahead and write, write them down because we'll be fast and furious or check out the screens. All right. So we're going to take a look at these two kings' lives and see how we can get a glimpse of the Father's heart. So first one we're going to talk about is King Hezekiah. And this is in 2 Kings chapter 18, and um, the Bible describes him. He's a king of Judah at this time. And in verse 5, it says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him, underline that. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. That's like some bragging rights, right? Like this guy's pretty awesome. He held fast, picture that, he held fast to the Lord, did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord and the Lord was with him and he was successful in whatever he undertook. So this is kind of like the description of the first king. He's a, he's a faithful, like holds on to the Lord, loves the Lord, follows him, obeys him. He's the righteous king. And so we're, we're gonna jump over now to the other king. In 1 Kings 21, and this is the description of the evil king, King Ahab. It says, there was never a man like Ahab, remember we just read that, who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. Do you guys ever hear that phrase, they sold their soul to the devil? I'm pretty sure this is where it came from. He sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner, going after idols. So we're not going to get into it today, but if you were to study the history of the um, practice of idolatry back in those days and some of these uh, false gods, there was human sacrifices, and it was truly vile, detestable. The wickedness that this man did and led God's people to do was awful. So like I said, couldn't have been more more like contrast, right, from each other. So let's jump back to King Hezekiah, the righteous king, and see what happens to him. So um, King Hezekiah falls ill. And in 2 Kings 20, verse 1 through 6, um, which I just want to note this. You know how um, a lot of people say, why do good things happen? No, opposite. Why do bad things happen to good people. A lot of people say that, and a lot of people don't follow the Lord because they're like, I just don't like that bad things happen to good people. Well, I want to tell you. And then sometimes, I've actually heard very recently people who have come down with illness and sickness, and um, someone very close to me actually said, "Um, I don't know why I was diagnosed with this. Maybe it was because of something in my past that happened. You know, and I just want to tell you, when when sin entered the world, God gave a warning. Don't, don't do that. Don't sin. Don't, you know, when Adam and Eve crossed over that line, sin and death entered the world and our world became broken and it will never be whole again until we get to heaven. And so sometimes people get sick and it's not a fault of their own. It's just part of this life. And it is sad and it is tough. And I am sorry, but I want you to know sometimes it has nothing to do with what we've done but just because that's a part of life. And so that's one lie that I believe needs to be broken today. So King Hezekiah, we see right there, he lived a good life. He was honorable before the Lord. Well, 
he ends up falling ill. And so um, God spoke to the kings through prophets. And so he sent his prophet Isaiah to tell him. And he says, this is what the Lord says. Isaiah is telling King Hezekiah, put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. And this is Hezekiah's response. Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall. I love this because to me it pictures intimacy. Can you feel that? He turns his face toward the wall, him and God. And he cries out, remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion. I've done what is good in your eyes. And he wept bitterly. I don't know if he prayed for healing. I don't know, but we know he turned to the Lord and he cried out. And it says, before Isaiah the prophet had left the court, the word of the Lord came to him, go back. Ooh, I love this. He says, go back and tell Hezekiah, leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God, your father, David says, I have heard your prayers. I have heard your prayers and I have seen your tears and I will heal you. And then it goes on to say that he added 15 years of life. So it was a miracle. He was healed. And I have to tell you, when I, because I read this first, I read this story first and I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. You know, I was like, he lived a good life, right? He was faithful. Like he deserves a miracle. Anybody else? Can we just be real here? I was like, he, I kind of thought that makes sense until literally the same day I came across the next passage. Jump back with me to Ahab's story. So we're going to go to 1 Kings 21, and I'm going to just paraphrase this next little part. But basically, uh, King Ahab is like, the wickedness is rampant. And this time, this is because of judgment. God is saying, I'm not going to allow you anymore to be this wicked and cruel to my people. Like, so he, he comes in and he tells the prophet, this time is Elijah. And he tells Elijah, you go tell him I'm bringing disaster. I'm bringing disaster on him. I'm bringing disaster on his descendants. It gets pretty like real here. And he says, literally quoting it. He says, uh, the place where the dogs licked up that guy's blood, the dogs are going to lick up your blood. Like I'm just, we're, we're getting real and messy today. Is that okay? Okay. Cause life is real and messy. And so, so God is saying because of this, like, your sins have found you out. I am coming to judge this. And I want us to look at Ahab's response in verse 27. When Ahab, this evil king, heard these words, what did he do? He tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and he fasted. That was a sign of brokenness, submission, and a change of heart. He lay in sackcloth, and went around meekly. I looked up this word meekly. It means in submission, lowly, humility. And I love this next verse because you just picture, like our God is real. This story is real. And it says God, basically God spoke down from heaven to prophet Elijah. And he's like, hey, hang on a second. Have you noticed Ahab's response? He says, have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? And he said, because he has what? Humbled himself before me. Not because of his past. Not because of the good he has done. Not because he has lived a righteous life. 
not because any works that he has done. Sound familiar? He says, because he has humbled himself before me, I will relent. I will not bring disaster on this day. I will bring it in the days of his son. So I got to lean in because there's two parts here. Our sin does have natural consequences. It does. I'm not here to preach a false message. But the point of this is when I read this story and I went back and forth, I, I, I was so convicted I began to weep because if you haven't caught it yet, the most righteous man and the most evil man. What is the common denominator? God is looking for people to turn their hearts back to him. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of who you picture yourself more like, which we are all sinners, let's just get that straight, in need of grace and forgiveness. But whoever you relate to, listen God is looking for people to turn their hearts back to him. More than our past, God is looking for the posture of our hearts. Do you hear me? More than your past, more than what you've done, more than the mistakes I've made, God is looking to see what the posture of my heart is. Above all, above all church, Above righteousness, do you hear me? This messes up religion here. Above righteousness or wickedness, what God is looking for, which he does desire righteousness, but what the desire of the Father's heart is, is that his people would come before him with humility, with acknowledgement, and in repentance. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, if my people who are called by my name, come on if you know it, will what? Humble themselves and pray. That's humility. And seek my face. That's acknowledgement. I need you, God. You are God. You are Lord of my life. I can't do this without you. That's acknowledgement. And then what? Turn from their wicked ways. That's repentance. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Church, aren't you glad that it's not based on, hey, if you do this, this, and this right, then I'll hear you? Aren't you glad? But it's if you would turn to me in humility and seek me, I will hear you. And that's a promise wherever you're at today. Wherever you're at today, whatever you've done, Turn to him with a posture of humility. So today, I just want to encourage specifically those who feel like they've really messed up. Those who are living in, you may not look like it on the outside, but you've got secret shame holding you captive. You've buried or carried things in the past and it is time to let them go today and step into who God really says that you are. It's time to receive the truth and realize how God sees you and what he wants for you. In Jesus' name, you are not what you've done. And in Jesus' name, you are not what's been done to you. Again, God shows us through the Bible. I love studying the characters in the Bible because they're real. They're real people like us. And I love studying them. His chosen people are not just for those who have it all together, who don't walk and and not fall, right? The righteous man falls seven times and gets back up again, right? It's not for the perfect. Our God uses the scars of the past, Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't want that for us, right? 
He doesn't want those scars, but he sure will use those scars. And I want to tell you, what we do, what we do, what we've done, doesn't disqualify us from what God has for us, okay? We, we're, it doesn't mean we're any less chosen. So today, I want to briefly continue to touch on a couple people in the Bible. You may be familiar with them, but I believe it's just going to continue to give us a different glimpse of the Father's heart for us. A couple of my favorites, um, chosen and called by God, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. They were murderers and adulterers. But wait, that's what they did, right? That's not who they were. So let's change that narrative. So first thing, the principle we can learn from one of these people is this. Write this down. Uh, God is the restorer of second chances. Our God, somebody needs to hear this today, somebody who has messed up and you feel like your second chance is gone, or now you have to live a lesser life. Listen, our God is the restorer, do you hear me, of second chances, second chances in a marriage, second chances with your children, second chances in the ministry, wherever you are, there is a second chance for you. And if you're even struggling right now, I feel like there's a voice in here that's telling you not for me. Yes, for you. Yes, for you. Take encouragement from this very, very um, popular Bible story hero. Um, You guys may have heard of him. He messed up royally, pardon the pun, but he messed up royally, uh, David, right? You guys have probably heard about David, and I hope we keep talking about him over and over and over again because we need to learn of the kind of people God chooses knowing the mistakes they would make, right? Um, so, so David was called, appointed as leader of his people from a young age. And then um, when he came into the kingdom, uh, the lust for more, just like happens to all of us in some subtle way or obvious way. Lust for more, something we want that God did not intend for us, right? And so he reached for someone else's wife, He lusted after her, and he slept with her, and then, to make matters worse, he actually, to cover up his sin, had uh, her husband killed. True story. So how can it be that God calls this man a person after his own heart? How can that be? Don't get so used to this story. How can that be? How can God say, I called you and chose you and you're a person after my own heart? Because our God is the restorer of second chances. But it takes us doing our part too. I want you to look at uh, David. We see his heart. And guys, write this down. I I love that you guys were just um, praying over your life group leaders. I want to encourage your life groups this week and maybe maybe, uh, invite a friend over, do this with your family. But... Psalms 51 is kind of known as like David's repentant chapter. Write this down, and I want to encourage you in your groups or one-on-one, wherever you do it, to study this together. And I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I do want to point out just like, um, what is his heart after he's messed up? What can we learn from it if this is his heart, right? Because the truth is, repentance brings restoration. Repentance brings restoration, David's heart, just a couple verses. David's heart, he says, I know my transgressions. My sin is before for me. Against you have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You see, David is not making excuses. 
Somebody hear this today. David is not sweeping it under the rug. He's not just stepping over it. He's not just moving on. He's dealing with it. He's dealing with it. And in fact, he's broken about it. He says, 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Church, are we broken about our sin anymore? Are we a people that when we mess up, we just want to skip over, make excuses? No, no, no. David, he could be fully restored back into the anointing that God had for him, not because of the mistakes he made, but because of the repentance of his heart. Because he owned up to it. Because he said, I have sinned. I am wrong. Please forgive me. And in our relationships with God, our relationship with God and with one another, you want to know why some of your relationships are not restored? Have you repented? Are you broken by your part? Are you so consumed by theirs? Come on, church. If we want to be a people restored, we've got to repent. We've got to repent. So God is a God of second chances. He's the restorer of second chances. The enemy wants to say to you the lies that need to be broken today. He says, what you have done changes who you can become. That's what the enemy says. What you have done changes who you can become. But our God is ready and willing to restore to you. Look at David. He restored to him everything he had promised him. But David repented. Are we a people that will be willing to repent? The second principle from another character in the Bible. Boy, this is powerful. This is powerful. And I'm excited today because some legacies are going to be changed in Jesus' name. I know it and I believe it. Because our God is the redeemer of legacies. Our God, that's right. Our God is the redeemer of legacies. Whatever has been done to you or by you, generational curses, things passed down from family line to family line, they are broken in Jesus' name. They are broken. And guess what? It can start with you. And it can start Today, we, you and I, were one choice. Do you hear me? You're one choice away from changing the legacy of your family. I love Rahab. I love her story. I love her legacy. I love that God chose her. She was a prostitute. Uh, someone who uh, the people paid to have sex with her. Again, messy. That's real life, right? Messy. And if we, if we, if we can't invite God into the messy, he's not going to do the work that he wants to do. Listen, she was a prostitute by vocation. That's what she did. It's not who she was. Do you know who she was? After one courageous act of obedience, she was and will forever be known as the great, 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 somewhere along the line, grandmother of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's who Rahab was, and that's who God chooses to redeem. I wrote kind of a, a spoken word um, a couple years ago. In fact, I can't even say I wrote it because I literally received it. I just felt like the Lord just, boom, in an instant, I was studying the life of Rahab, and he gave me just a little poem, and I just want to share that with you guys because it sums up her story. In Joshua chapter 2, you have Rahab the prostitute. You see, there were these spies that needed to hide, but she chose to be on God's side. 
She had no clue what her obedience would do, but God removed her shame and changed the legacy of her name. Could it be that the King of Kings, the one who would die for you and I, would now be born through a prostitute's line? It was by her faith. He removed her stains. So no matter your past, it can all be changed. You just have to learn to trust and obey. Our God is the redeemer of legacies. This is the Father's heart. I believe he chose Rahab intentionally. Do you think he was desperate for great, 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 great grandmothers? I don't think so. I believe that he chose them to be an example to us. You see, Rahab went from being a prostitute to listed in the Bible in Hebrews 11 in the like hall of faith chapter. She was listed next to Noah, Abraham, Moses, man, heroes of our faith. She was listed next to Samson. She was listed next to them. And listen, I am here to tell some of you because the voices of the accuser that you've been listening to says you have no business being next to them. You have no business being next to or involved in or around that ministry, those people. And when comparison tries to disqualify you, when you wanna look at other people's faith and say, I don't belong doing that. I've lost my chance. I just want you to speak back to the enemy whose Jesus' great, 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 great grandmother was. Cause she's standing in line next to the heroes of our faith and she was one of them. And I believe her name was written next to them so that we as a church would no longer shrink back because of our shame, but we would take our place with humble, repentant hearts that turn from our sin, that acknowledge them, that cry out to the Lord knowing He will redeem us, He will restore us. And no matter what you've done, He just wants you to turn your, He wants you to come home. he's, He's the good Father with open arms. It's not just a story, that's who our God is. That is our Father's heart. But there's a decision that you need to make. I believe this, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. There are decisions that you need to make just like Rahab. She had to make a decision, right? She had to step from death to life. She had to make a decision to change her family line. And like I said, you and I are one step away from that. My husband, my husband, his life is an example of generational curses being broken. My husband is the first pastor in his family line. And at the age of 10 years of old, um, 10 years of age, on his birthday, his father went away to prison. And his, he just came from a really broken home. And it was at that time in his life, they all got saved at the same time through divorce, through heartache, through just really brokenness, he decided at a young age, if there's any young people in here, listen to me. It's not what your family does. God is big enough no matter how old, because my husband was 10 years old when he said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And that commitment he made in that day, you saw my sons and my daughter up there, our generational line has been forever changed. 
And I share that with some of you because guess what? That's the Father's heart for you. That is the Father's heart for you this morning. What one choice do you need to make? What one step do you need to make away from the enemy and towards God's plans for you? Towards hope, towards freedom. Some of you, you're hanging on. You're hanging on and you gotta let go. I wanna read a couple verses over you and then we are gonna go into a time of response because I believe God is moving. Some of you need to come back home. Listen, this is the Father's heart for you. But you, Lord, this is our God, are a compassionate, He cares, He cares. You're a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger. Somebody told you that God is up there waiting to strike you with lightning. Somebody told you that God is up there waiting for you to mess up. Somebody has told you that, and that's not our God. Our God is slow to anger, in love and in faithfulness. Lamentation says, because of the Lord's great love, listen, we are not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. It's not over. You're not consumed. You're not done. It's not over. There's a new beginning. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. God still has good promises to restore to you. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you. This is the Father's heart. This is the Father's heart. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Church, just stand with me. We're gonna go into a time of response. I believe that there are some of you right now that have been held back because you feel shame. You've run from God. And this is, I believe this is the Lord speaking and coming after you today and saying, I still call you. I still choose you. I have a future for you. Will you come get it? Will you receive it? Will you let go of the broken past and receive the beauty of the future I have for you? If you're in this place right now, And if you, maybe you've never, never received Jesus as Savior. Maybe you know about God, but maybe you've just felt like you don't deserve it. Or I don't know what your reasons are, but you've never, you've never known the Father's heart like this, His love for you. And you want, you want to walk in love. You want to be forgiven. You want His plans and purposes for you. Or maybe you've run away from home. Maybe Maybe you've just been living in shame. Right now in this place, I want you to, if that's you, we're gonna say a prayer as a church family and you just pray this to the Lord. Church family, say this together. Lord Jesus, I'm coming back home. I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to take my sins on the cross, to pay for them, and to wash them away. I receive that gift of forgiveness and I wanna walk in the new future you have for me. Take my past, take my shame, take my sin, I let it go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, can we just celebrate for freedom? Can we celebrate for life change?